Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Feeding Curiosity. I'm your host, Eric Wenzel, as always. On today's episode, we're going to be covering something that is very near and dear to me, or um, something that I've cherished for a long time, and it's Spider-Man. But specifically, we're going to deep dive into the new film, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. And if you haven't watched the original one, I highly recommend you do that because it is a sequel. On top of that, if you're just a casual fan of Spider-Man through films, typically, this is going to be an awesome experience. Or at least my interpretation of these animated films has always been their true, the truest sense of Spider-Man from the comics to Spider-Man to film. Um, it captures the essence of it. And I, I bring that up very early on in this podcast. And um, just in general, Spider-Man is something for me that has stuck with me since I was about five years old. And it's, so it's funny that this is taken this episode to really um, bring out that passion for me. But I guess it's <laughs> kind of fitting that it is on this podcast because that's in some sense what the reason this exists. Um, and so without further ado or rambling from me, because the whole point of this is to get to the conversation, but we get into breaking down this film. And I will say as a preamble, but in general, there's been a lot of talk about fatigue in superhero films right now. And I don't know if there's fatigue for superhero films per se, considering the fact that most of these characters in the age of comic books have been around for the better part of 60 years. And they ebb and flow like any other thing but yet they're still around and they still resonate with people. And I don't think it has anything to do with people being bored with them, but I think it's people telling compelling stories with them. And so when you see your next superhero film, try to understand what makes the character themselves compelling, not the bells and whistles and the fancy VFX, because that's supporting character more than anything. And so anyways, Please enjoy this deep dive into Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Alrighty, everyone. Welcome back to Feeding Curiosity. We're back. And I actually am surprised we haven't really talked about Spider-Man as much as one might expect. But here we are. We're going to be talking about Spider-Verse. Or no, sorry. I, I keep wanting to call it Spider-Verse 2 because that's what it is technically. But it's, uh, Jesus, and now I'm forgetting it. Across the Spider-Verse? Yeah. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse? There we yeah. go. Nailed it. <laughs> Horrible yeah, intro. Just- yeah, the shorthand. It's all good. Shorthand. <laughs> and um, I mean, first things I think is worth just seating other people listening is to think about this movie in terms of what is like the essence of Spider-Man. Like what are the core characteristics that make Spider-Man a compelling hero? Because the reason I say that is I think if other people are creating superhero-like content, this is a prime example for people to take notes to create actual compelling superhero films, not just animation, but just or compelling superhero stories in general. It doesn't have to be a movie or anything like that, because I, there's not many that get this right as of right now. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, I agree. I feel like they nail it and tone and everything and just being original, I think, is the main thing. Mm-hmm. Um 
that it doesn't feel like it's just another movie to like fill wallets, you know, like there's actually <laughs> care put into it. Um, and it comes through like yeah. very effortlessly and clearly. I think the art is a big part of it. It, it seemed to me to some degree it, I mean, maybe this is just one section of the whole film, but that the aesthetics were in some ways a means of letting the animators show off. Like it's almost like the whole premise to some degree is a means of showing off the, the, the ability, the technology, the fact that you've created a multiverse as part of the plot gives you near infinite, infinite freedom with the character designs, uh, among other things in world design. I say nothing of the way that they use this kind of color blocking throughout the the film to elicit particular kind of vibe. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, it's it's bleeding over. Right. That is an inside joke. We'll get to that <laughs> maybe never, but right. <laughs> but we'll we'll continue on. <laughs> Yeah, I think Joe to continue on with the the art aspect, um, just kind of jo jumping off of like the very beginning of this, like how this opens. It's it's actually different, right? Like you'd expect if you watch the original Spider Verse animated film, you'd expect this to pick up right where Miles leaves off, effectively. You know, being Spider Man Junior, kind of like okay, he's proved himself, but instead they kind of do not a one eighty, but it's like a slight pivot with giving you more backstory into Gwen or spider Gwen. Um, in the comics, she's called ghost spider, but that it seems like they're getting rid of that and calling her spider Gwen again. I don't know what's going on with that character, but in any case, I think her story is cool. Uh, or at least they're doing a good enough job of like giving her a fleshed out backstory. But what I thought was really cool about what they did for her was giving the emotional tonality with how they did the art with like watercolors and things like that. And it, you really see that with the, in, the scenes with her dad um, and how the color is like bleeding where like on one side of the screen, it's her father and her and like the colors are totally disassociated where it's like one is blue, one is pink. And then it's only like when they hug at one point where like the colors start to bleed, like they're connecting again or like toward the end when she, he's saying the Miranda rights, which I'm jumping forward. So feel free to re rewind. Um, then the colors start going to black and stuff like that, where it's like a huge disconnect. There's definitely a piece there. Um, like the whole, the whole scene with the, what was it the vulture? Yes. Yeah. yeah. The, there's this kind of, uh, what is it? The drawings of, what is it? Michelangelo or Da Vinci? Yeah, it was uh, kind of Da Vinci, Michelangelo. Yeah. Yeah. This look of kind of character design um, that I did. <laughs> I don't know how quickly we want to drop, jump into the deep philosophy on this, but like, I think that a lot of the Joe, you're you're on this. It doesn't matter. We're already going to be <laughs> in the deep end. <laughs> I mean, I think that my one my one complaint about his the show is actually that um, the, I think that the multiverse has reached the idea of a multiverse in art has reached its conclusion that you can't take it any farther, and that mm -hmm. you cut you saw it sort of mastered as a as a um, plot device in Rick and Morty who mm. were really wrestling with the kind of the nihilism and how that um, the nihilism of the culture right now, but representing that nihilism of the culture by creating an infinite number of universes that by statistics 
sort of render any experience meaningless. And so it was a strong plot device for that show and it played with it a lot and can, it continues to play with it. Um, but when the when Spider-Man does it, they, they take it to one more step where things are in this kind of postmodern way so fractured that everything is so um, disconnected from everything else that in no sort of embeddedness in the or continuity even between these kind of different universes that even the the artwork dramatically changes between these places the, the rules of the animation completely change they could be 2d 3d i um, mean they had um uh, what's his name playing uh live action playing one of the villains donald glover donald glover yes thank you donald glover um so that so all of the rules that make a single unity appear in the artwork are dissolved entirely and i just don't think you can take it any farther at that point and i, yeah. I part of me is uh, this is why it's a bit of a complaint is because i'm kind of tired with it and that i'm at this place where i'm like yes we've done this and uh yes there's always these questions about um the meaning and whatever that come out of the multiverse but I'm like, I, I miss a unity. I miss a feeling of, of um, this kind of, of melody. I mean, even melody and music is gone and it becomes this technic, technical, it's more about rhythm. It's like, there's this all this fracturing going on within our culture that this is the thing, the art style of this is an example of that I am tired of. Yeah, I can see that because it is, I say when you put it in a vacuum, like if you take this franchise story, because this is a sequel or part two, whatever, um, it it's fine, right? It works right. and there's no complaints. But it's just when you look at like how saturated multiverse is across different franchises, it's like, yeah. oh my God, it's it's the same thing. I think and this is just, a, I think you're speaking to something a little bigger. It's like a complaint of how art and sometimes artists work as a whole across mediums like you see this in music a lot where like in hip-hop specifically there would be like a flow right like a way a cadence rappers use and it gets hot mm -hmm. and then it's like every freaking song that comes out uses that cadence <laughs> and it's just because it's catchy you know what i mean people catch on yeah. to it and it works um and so it's kind of a natural thing and it makes sense but what, what happens with this specifically with the multiverse is i think you can cut corners in your storytelling um Kind of, Wenzel, you've said this before, where it's like, things just don't matter. Mm -hmm. You can wash it away because, oh, we'll just go here. And then it rewrites everything. So I see that. Okay. But with this, I was fine with it. And it, it doesn't hit me that way because it's a sequel to Into the Spider-Verse that came out, I think, before the wave of the yeah, multiverse ago, really hit. I, which is crazy to say. Yeah, 2018, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that's why this one still feels fresh to me. Um, yeah. But I do get what you're saying. There, there's another show animated. It's called Invincible. I don't know if you guys mm. seen that's on I've, Amazon I've heard Prime. it's really good. I haven't yeah. watched it yet, though. Really good. It's great. But the sequel, the, or not the sequel, the second season deals with the multiverse. It just came out and said. Mm. And I'm like, mm. oh, my God, I'm so tired of it. So I, I get what you're saying. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? But And and you can get yourself caught in this rap. Like, it, that is the meaning problem with this kind of a thing is that it does get to a place where it even ends up destroying 
any of the weight of any moment whatsoever in the show you're watching because now Marvel can resurrect whoever the fuck they want whenever they want because, oh, there's a multiverse. It ends up being this just catch-all deus ex machina bullshit. Yeah. That can really wreck with the constraints that are necessary to write a good story. You have to write something under like the pressure of the reality of the world that you're in. And if you've created the world in such a way that doesn't put any pressure at all, then it's like, what the fuck is the environment? What even is it? Yes. Yeah. And I can come at this from a completely different angle because this has been done in the comic books three times now. And now it's happening currently with, with Venom, the symbiote. Yeah. So, and, and a lot of the comic book fans are also having the same reaction to not just like multiverse, but Spider-Verse in particular. Most people are, are bored of it in, in a sense that, that basically you take a brand and you start fracturing it like you're talking about, Joe, and you say, say okay, well, now Peter Parker doesn't matter. Or so like, and that's not to say that Peter Parker can't like, be, like, or rather the Spider-Man can't be somebody else, but you start doing damage to a character because now all of a sudden it doesn't like you have no stakes as to who the, that character is, right? Like you've, you've dissolved the boundaries around all of this and then you just start watering it down. And it's a danger in that sense that I, that I am worried about. And that's kind of one of the things that I really enjoy about how they're doing this animated series in a sense that they're fleshing out backstories of both Miles and Gwen to to give them a better like foundation. But that this doesn't preclude that there is still the issue of a multiverse thing. And I, I and going back to like the broader sense of this, I think we've been spoiled from good attempts at multiverse, um, at least in film, like everything everywhere all at once, which we've talked about. And it's like once you do it well once, it's hard to live up to that standard. <laughs> and and now, and like Jordan, I, I do agree that in this scenario, Spider-Man pulls it off well. I do have a gripe in like within how the story is structured here that we can get into later on. Um, it's minor, but I think it's it's part of that kind of like lazy writing thing and right. kind of goes back to what I opened this conversation with is what is the essence of Spider-Man as a mythological character? Um and so that's kind of a long-winded way of like, like we're just tired of multiverses in the current year, 2023. Like yeah. we've been bombarded by it over the last, what, two years, three years maybe now. And it's I think lot. the trope, the trope, you know, that well has gone dry. Like you said, <laughs> like yeah. it's no more. <laughs> yeah, I'm not used, I'm not even phenomenologically, I'm bored with it. Like the, for the internet is a multiverse. Okay, you are just your attention hopping between these worlds with vastly different opinions um, that do all kinds of wild things and all behave in their own particular rules. And there's the total discontinuity on the internet. It's like, so I'm, I'm doing this every day when I'm hopping from Facebook to Instagram mm -hmm. to, um, to a scientific paper, to Reddit, to it, where my attention is flickering and there's a complete lack, there is no relationship between Reddit and, and, Instagram or whatever, or a scientific paper. Th these mm. things, there's no transition. It's all jump cuts. It's like, this is the whole experience that I'm getting on the internet already. And then I go into a movie theater and I get more of the same thing. I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. That's yeah. fascinating. Yeah, that is interesting. Okay. Um, I do I do think this film does 
pull it off well because they well, I mean we'll get into it when we start breaking it down they, they I feel like they follow a set of rules that obviously makes sense in this world but they're still it's not like it doesn't feel lackluster right and I guess we can get into the specifics a little later but again I feel like since this was a bit ahead of the saturation oversaturation of it I kind of look at this separate than like if new things start coming out and being like, Oh, now we're going to deal with this. You know what I mean? Especially if they didn't previously establish that that was something they were dealing with. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, This is fine. Cause it's, you know, it's a closed loop story told through three chapters, essentially. It'd be weird if in the third movie, they're like, all right, we're done with the multiverse because consumers are tired of it. It'd be like, well, okay. Now you have to, (laughs) you have, you got to finish it now. Um, So, but I think it, I think it's an issue more of how the business of art works as a whole than to me. And this is coming from me, who you know wants to work in this industry. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like <laughs> I can just see that versus me focusing on the individual creators of whatever that story, whatever is. You know what I mean? Like I don't look at something like Everything Everywhere, which was phenomenal, and say I'm tired of this trope. Right. Because they did it so well. I don't look at Spider-Verse and that way, but like the totality of like, all right, when are we going to break out of this like loop yeah. <laughs> we're stuck in that everything supernatural has to deal with the multiverse right now? So, yep. yeah, this is well, I I totally, <laughs> I totally agree on this. And I don't want it to sound like everything that I'm saying about this movie is horrible because I'm going to complain about some like foundational block device. It's like, I'm, this is the complaint and everything else about the movie I like. So, <laughs> right. it, but you can see it too. It's like we're at the place where we really are. I think you're totally right that we're right on the edge. Like, yeah. oh, we're like, we're, you could almost maybe push one more movie out of this and then you gotta, you gotta take me out of it. How do you respond to the multiverse? Like, if the last uh, movie in this is gonna be a trilogy, right? Yeah. Is that gonna work? So, the last movie in this trilogy. Um, they find a way to tie in poetically um, the closing of the multiverse. And now maybe we just follow Miles Morales or we just follow Gwen Stacy. Um, that would be so satisfying because it's like, okay, and that chapter of our culture is over. We can leave that off to the side. We found a way out of the wilderness into <laughs> promised land, right? Like take yeah. me somewhere higher here. And I got I, I got speculations on this front. I'm so excited to get into it to the end. <laughs> you should for the end. I know we'll save it. We'll save it for the end. But I'm glad you're bringing it up to to yeah. to you know sprinkle in <laughs> little yeah. nuggets here. Like, <laughs> um, but yeah, just as a last point too, it's like this gripe of that the multiverse thing. Like, yeah, it's we're 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 tired of it as like an audience. But at the same time, like the business of creating these things, like these things get locked in you know, three to five years. Like, I'm assuming these guys probably already knew a sequel's coming after the first year of the animation being done for the first film and people being like, oh shit, this is dope. And then they started thinking like, well, what else could we do? And, you know, here we are five years later and now all of a sudden everything it became a, a multiverse type thing over the last, you know. So it's it's not a fault to the art. It's just a fault of how long it takes to produce art. <laughs> <laughs> or produce something meaningful rather than just because they could have come out with something in two years or whatever and it could have been garbage but i think they actually kind of going back to the i personally what blew me away even just from the opener was like oh wait they didn't just 
do more of the same, like stick within the guidelines that they, they showed with the first film, but they actually tried to challenge themselves again and say, okay, how do we iterate on what we did? Basically animating comic book styled art. But then on top of that, instead of just being like still images animating from it and also kind of pushing Hollywood away from everything animated looks like Pixar, right? <laughs> everything super sterile super clean very rounded edges and now this comic style is so different you know it's harder edges even in this one you'll see it like in the opening sequence when um gwen meets miguel for the first time you actually see like the color lines around his shoulders because he's got like a more athletic muscular build or he's like not even perfect like you'll see like a pencil line coming up and out like super jagged but like every frame it's like moving slightly so they try to keep like artistic imperfections in the character design that add more it's like for those people who are used to imagining comic books they just tried to like turn it into a flip book in some sense hmm. that is really cool i didn't really notice that specifically but that's tight <laughs> this is a person who's read many 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 comic books yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the aesthetic of it and yes. you can see the character design is probably the most obvious place where you, they just got to go a little buck wild and make up whatever they want. There's some wild, <laughs> ridiculous yes. things. Um, yeah. I, I think that the way that they, they do what they really do right, besides, I mean, even though I'm complaining about the fractured nature of the animation, it's beautiful. Um, mm -hmm. It's very like you, I don't know how you could do that any better, but I think that the way they kind of start to get around this, and I'm really hoping that this is signifying a trend here, is that in all the kind of fractured world and plot and nature and design, what you have is continuity of characters. They actually put real emphasis on the relationships between people in these circumstances. And I think it really, really shows when you see Gwen Stacy with her dad. I yep. think that that, that kind of, because yep. the temptation in the culture right now would be for it not to be actually good, like would be to have a, a not a, there are very few good father figures that emerge in the arts right now. Um, so that you can, the, it's like the culture bending. It's trying to, to put its finger on this and say, you can, you can do this. You can make it him a bad father, but they don't, they don't do it. They have a real relationship between um, her and her dad, and she relies on him, and it's it's good. It's a good relationship. And so it's like, okay, in all the chaos, what matters? The people you love. Yes, you got it. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah, I think you're. I think you're spot on with that one, especially because, in terms of like looking at what makes person like a. a Spider-Man as a superhero is typically it's the the weight or the burden of the responsibility you carry as the the superhero who can't tell those closest to them because fear of you know them getting hurt because of the decisions you make right taking ownership of those things and in Gwen's case because her dad is a police officer right I think they do a really good job of setting up these parallel tracks with all these characters or at least their core characters um, specifically Miles and Gwen giving them similar enough characteristics but they're still unique uniquely set up that makes them feel not derivative of each other um and it, it and in that sense it feels awesome she, like showing her struggle 
like opening the like the hard opener i guess of this movie is her you know dealing with feeling lost and alone and not knowing or not really even having an outlet for you know oh by the way i'm a spider-man want to be friends <laughs> like mm-hmm. i don't know how you <laughs> and and then knowing there's people out there but that you can't connect with those people right and i think that's where the a lot of this stuff transcends the boundaries for a lot of people because everybody can relate to that feeling of feeling like you don't relate to anybody and then there are like you have that one friend that you just can't call for whatever reason and that's like the premise of this story and then she goes to save the day like she's supposed to and it finds you know finds out it's like hey here's the portal to the uh, the other worlds that you were hoping for and then she has that crossroads right like we were saying with like the dad who's bad or whatever or it's not even that it's like just a disconnect where he falls into the responsibility thing which is what she's falling into at the same time and then they they split she's he can't he can't be dad he's police officer yeah that part is interesting it's like he was stuck yeah it's like moral which is they're in the same place they're in the same boat right they're both trying to do what's right and he views or viewed who he believes spider woman gwen whatever her name was yep as this, he's been chasing her, that's his like goal. That's all his, his ambition for however long it was. <laughs> so then he like can't just let go of that because he's like, this is what I'm supposed to do. She's a criminal. He believes she killed that version Peter. of Peter. Yeah. Um, but then it's like, but would my daughter do that? Like, you know, what it, so it's just like that yeah. crossroads where he's like, I still have my duty. I can't let my relationship get in the way, um, which is exactly what she's afraid of. Right. Yeah. Um, oh, it was. I mean, it's quick, and it, they didn't. I like that they didn't spend too much time there. I was when I was watching. I was like, I hope this isn't like an hour. Not that I didn't appreciate the like story, half but the I'm movie like, is going to be that. <laughs> right, and then they go back to Miles. I'm like, if if they did, they didn't. But I'm like, if they did, I would just like this to be a Spider Woman story. Not let's show you this, and then we're going to switch back to Miles. But we cut half the movie to tell you this story. It's like they got the point across, set up the stakes showed yeah. her you know rip and then kept it moving and i was like perfect that's all you needed it was like 20 yep. 30 minutes maybe something like that but yeah maybe 30 minutes at most yeah and then it cuts to miles and i think honestly like going back to what you were saying with like the multiverse part of this being over or at least let's pull it back from that i would i would even love just to see a full-on miles morales style like animated movie just with like that for like the next 45 minutes where he's kind of like, I've grown up a bit. And then he's like fighting his villain of the week, which I think they set up (laughs) the spot as a villain. Great, because it even subverted my expectations. Because in most most superhero things, you expect, you know, the the warm-up bad guy, whoever it is, like the useless, you know, C-tier villain who the hero beats up to prove that, hey, he's got the chops. But in this one, they didn't do that, even though I thought they were going to do that because it's they kind of set it up as like, oh, it's kind of goofy and silly. And then it escalates from there. But it also did a good job, in my opinion, of showing like the other issues. And this is where I think the story itself operates at multiple levels, not just like this is a superhero film, but it's also a a growing like coming of age story, but not only for like children, but also for parents. Because they should do, they spend a lot of time with Miles's parents 
like are we messing this up like we don't understand our kid like why are like we can't connect with him or he's not telling us something and all that right like like what's his future going to be like and they're worried naturally right it's like a parents thing and it, i think it's such a refreshing take because i feel like there's a lot of in other storytelling right now we see a lot of like parents versus children or you know or authority figures versus non-authority figures and it's always just like contention like butting heads and nobody is looking for like resolution or like growing beyond whatever the conflict is i guess yeah that's an interesting point i, I hadn't really thought about their relationship a whole bunch but as you talk about it now i'm like oh yeah it's refreshing <laughs> you know it's yeah it, there's, it's not like it's this groundbreaking thing it's like we, nobody's ever seen this before but it's just like oh fucking that's oh, refreshing it's just down to earth yeah it's, it's <laughs> super it relatable works. and like even when uh when he's in the in the room with like the counselor talking about like oh what school do you want to go and he goes like well i want to go do you know nuclear fission or whatever like quantum something in Jersey, and his mom's like, Jersey? Like, that felt like a real reaction that a mom who lives in Brooklyn all yeah. her life and <laughs> would have. Right. You know, that whole, that whole, like, dialogue banter between them all, and that scene was hilarious. He's like, Jersey's too far from New York. Like, you know, I mean, just, as I do, this is hilarious. Um, but to go off what you're saying, too, it's, it's refreshing, right? And it's, it's uh, relatable, but what I took from it too, and this goes deeper, but kind of in the representation aspect, which I think is a big thing that this movie does and was one of the coolest things I noticed. So just a little side note, but like leaving the theater, I just saw a whole bunch of like little kids, like, you know, black kids and stuff, like all dressed up, just like super excited. And I'm like, that, that is what representation does. And I'm like, that's amazing to be able to um, participate in something like that, right? To see, I mean, it's animated, but to still like be able to see yourself in something, yeah. dope. Mm -hmm. But what they did when you come to the the relationship with the parents, there's a lot of times when you see like a coming of age story about a like a young black kid. It's usually like a fractured home, mm -hmm. right? But they didn't do that. It's like still loving and supportive, even though there's like the angsty, not exactly angst, but like not knowing what's going on. It's still just like full of support, and I'm like that good rewrite the narrative you know what i mean because it's yeah. not always fractured homes and like someone's in jail or something it's not always that it's much right. more nuanced and to show that in this way i'm just like perfect you know what i mean like even with his dad's promotion when they have like the party on the rooftop and like his wife rio has the microphone he's like you don't get microphone privileges anymore like like yeah. the silliness of like just people like it just felt real. I don't know how to describe it other than saying that. Like it, it didn't feel like hacky. Like they were trying to pretend it was like too idyllic. It just felt like parents trying to do their best, whatever that meant, you know. Along with the, like the cultural undertones, I thought the cultural, like, like making it feel like obviously Miles is mixed. He's, I believe, Puerto Rican. He's. Yeah. Puerto Rican and half an uh, African American, so it, it really felt like you really felt a lot of that cultural like vibe to go back to it again. <laughs> I want to know. I want to know if the writers were from New York because that that scene in particular of being on the rooftop and like having a barbecue and everything that felt to me like and it's been very long in New York, but that it felt similar. 
Really? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Or you'd have parties. It was like a Wednesday night and you hear partying out in the streets and people setting off fireworks. Right. <laughs> I don't know why I live in this neighborhood, but, but like <laughs> it's alive, right? There's a lot happening. There's this kind of whole boisterous, crazy, whatever That's it is. That's cool. New York there that I, that I felt in that scene. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if they were, I, I just like, I've <laughs> recently watched the show. I won't say which one it is because I have nothing good to say about it. So I'll just, no, just leave it there. <laughs> but I watched the show and they they dealt with kind of the uh, that kind of Spanglish kind of aspect. You know what I mean? And it was so awfully. Re- I was like, dude, no, that's not. I was like, this is you can tell it's someone who doesn't speak Spanish who knows like a few words that just knew how to like plug in ideos mio or something like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh it's no, like very, it's awful. But with this, I'm like, okay, clearly if they don't speak Spanish. They nailed it. So whatever they did, keep doing it because like didn't feel his awesome. mom's reaction of like you gotta be in Spanish, <laughs> and yeah. his dad's like, oh no, you're gonna get it later. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good, and they're able to track all the characters well. Yes, like nobody really, nobody who shouldn't be falls into the background. Like all the characters are well fleshed out. There's a personality to each one. They're unique individuals and they aren't used as, or at least too obviously are reduced down to a plot device at any point. Mm-hmm. Like the, the even characters that are behaving like a, um, uh, like Gwen's father who's supposed to die or whatever. Like even if he's being used in some way as a plot device, he's not, he's, at no point do you think that that's all that he's there for. Like there's there's still a real relationship between him and his daughter. It works throughout the whole movie, and so it's like another big plus for its focus on the characters and how they're able to interweave them into yeah. a nice web of. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> and then, do we have anything else to say before Gwen shows up in Miles's world again, un- unannounced? Because no. it's mostly just Spot kind of doing his thing, getting a little bit powerful, and then he has his kind of little breakthrough. But then, in an ironic sense, this is another, like, one thing I will say about the Spot is, like, the Spot is kind of a weird character. And in most of Spider-Man prior to this version of him, he's kind of a C-list character. Like, he's really not that interesting. But in the context of, like, this multiverse thing, he can become more interesting because he can be kind of this tether that connects things together because he's getting more powerful by jumping through different universes. Um, but it's like this, this idea of miles calling him villain of the week and like not taking him seriously that triggers the villain to become the villain. If that makes sense. Yeah. And, and I think that's a pretty cool way of like actually setting up the stakes in this instead of just um the typical oh well he's the villain and he's trying to do something bad to the world or whatever it's like nope you said the wrong thing to the wrong person and now look what you caused no and and he only works in a multiverse world like that villain because my understanding is that the spot doesn't have like interdimensional whatever magic shit he's getting in 
in most in most versions of him, no, it's more of like teleportation where he can like okay. kind right. of teleport short distances and stuff okay, like that. So that's really cool because they took yeah. they took the idea that the spot is a character who just does this kind of teleportation, and then they asked themselves, well, what's the logic? How does he do it? What's this? And then they connect it to a multiverse and use the multiverse as an explanation for how he has the spot in the first place. And yeah. so it's like so they changed the like the like metaphysic of the original character yeah. in it's order to it's in, <laughs> yeah it makes it way more interesting. And then you can see his ascent as a character, not just as, like in the way that I just described, but the character himself is ascending in power throughout the the film that parallels the meaning of the yep. work of the artist behind the scenes. And that's fucking cool. <laughs> and they think some people who've like done anal analysis of this character believe him to be kind of a representation of annihilation because he is like the black hole that will eat the multiverse effectively. You let him do his thing, he will swallow everything. Hmm. That's interesting. And and Spider-Man is something that screams against the void that even if the end is inevitable. I will do everything in my power to make sure something remains. Yeah. Or at least that's what I think they're setting up to some degree. Yeah. That makes sense. I, I had something I was going to say. I guess my I bad. could say it now. So I was going to hold it. But I, I feel like the theme between Miles and Spot are the same. That it's like they're kind of... Because the, the story has like a lot of meta-ness to it, right? Um, where you have in real life when miles was introduced people were not happy about it right they're like oh this character da, 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 it's outside the canon but then in the movie it's the issue about the canon right um i know i'm jumping ahead a little bit but so it's kind of like they're speaking to the real audience who had an issue with it inside the film with the main antagonist in the film right and so you have miles who's like trying to <laughs> in this meta sense trying to substantiate himself and say like no my character does matter and this does work right and spot is doing the same thing like i'm not just villain of the week i do matter and then that's pushing him to become someone who you have to pay attention to so it's kind of like their trajectory on this mm -hmm. like meta scale is following the same path where it's like at first now i don't matter you know this villain was pointless and now it's like oh shit okay now we're gonna pay attention to you you know what i mean same thing's happening with miles but first no, it doesn't matter. We don't care about that. Now you have this, and then people are calling it the best Spider-Man movie ever, right? So it's like following the same trend. I thought it was interesting. Yeah, that is an interesting take. It's funny. It's like, I don't know. There's something Petersonian in there of like, be, be careful of like who you deride because if they aim for the wrong thing, they can, like you can either become a hero or you become the villain, right? It's It's almost like, or like, be careful what you pick as your ideal. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was it. I'll get it. We can get into it deeper. When yeah, we, when we'll, we get we'll get that toward the end. Yeah, yeah. Um. So let's let's talk about like Miles and Gwen reintroducing themselves, or I don't know. I don't even know how to like describe it because it's like, you know, Miles is grounded, and then he's you know feeling angsty as all teenagers are because his parents grounded him because he's just failing on being a teenager at all fronts right now, even though he's Spider-Man. Um, I just thought this sequence was so fun. I just, and then the, the scene where they're on, oh my God, what is it called? It's like a famous building in New York. Empire State? Was that it? It might be. 
it's with the pinwheel where they're walking around the top and then they do the inverted scene where it's the New York skyline as they're sitting on the yeah um I, don't I forget the name of that now. building but someone from New York will yell at us uh, or is yelling at the yelling at us right now for damn you <laughs> for not knowing New York right. it can be upset all they want they have the best pizza in the United States <laughs> damn right oh, man <laughs> chicago yeah. represent yeah right <laughs> jeez it's not just a deep dish right we don't only have deep dishes you get that out there <laughs> um but yeah just from like an artistic standpoint again i think like artistic but also storytelling of like getting like showing off like what gwen is learning and how miles is still kind of learned and is still willing to kind of like he's trying to show off that he isn't just stagnating in some sense, <laughs> even though he's even just learning by his own. It and it's just it was just such a cool moment to see. Like it just felt like two friends who know that like life changes and they wish they could spend more time together, and it's like you're the only person that gets me in the world kind of feeling, but like you're not from this world, so it's like bittersweet. Yeah. Sweet is what I was saying. I was like, it just that whole moment was just sweet. I was like, this is just nice, like rekindling. You could tell there's like a crush, but yeah, apprehension, and nobody wants to say it. Yeah. <laughs> just a sweet moment, you know. And it works. And it's another example of how they did the relationships really well. Mm -hmm. And they took their time. How long was the movie? Two hours or just over? Yeah. Like two hours and ten minutes. I, I actually broke a record. I think it's the longest animated movie ever produced. That okay, that sounds about right to me. Because I'm like, oh yeah, they really took their time. And as I'm thinking about, it, I'm like, I was in the movie theater for a while. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's still well paced. Like, like, like it's long, but it doesn't feel like like it drags at any point. Yeah, to me at least, yeah, it, it did. It's a necessary length. It, it's absolutely filled up with the lush relationships that they established. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Solid. Yeah. But this is where uh, the trouble in paradise begins shortly after this touching scene where Miles kind of... No, wait. Is there, is there's the awkward scene with the parents. Hold on. We got to go back to that one. Because <laughs> Gwen is supposed to be doing a job for the multiverse police, whatever you want to call them. The time police. <laughs> I thought they were most necessary as a plot piece than as an interesting moment between characters because there needed to be an explanation for the parents for why he was disappearing all the time. Fair enough. It wasn't yes. that he yes. so You kind of have to do that. And by yeah. introducing the girl, then it's like, oh, look, now we know what our son's it's doing. The, oh. Yeah, it's the scapegoat. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't even catch that. Um but yeah, so Gwen and Miles are going back to the party and his parents finally realize, oh, this is why Miles is acting weird. There's a girl involved. But immediately it's the mother who's prying into things. <laughs> and they're also fixated on the fact that they don't like being called by their first names. Yeah, which, fair <laughs> enough. I, I'd get cringy with that. <laughs> Growing up, it was always Mr. or Mrs., you know. Yeah. No, when's it's funny. Yeah, I mean, they just nailed these character moments really well. It's just light. It was fun. It's funnier than I thought it was going to be. But it was, uh, mm -hmm. just felt nice. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
like not rushed, made sense. Right. They didn't like lose the essence of the characters in these moments. Um, just worked. Yep. Yeah. And then from there, we realize Spot has escaped from Miles's dimension, and he's go. They finally find a place, and so there's a portal, and Gwen doesn't say goodbye to Miles. She's just gonna leave, even though Miles is right there because he's got like invisibility, and he followed her. And then they head to, um. I'm going to butcher it. It's Mumbatton, which is a like Indian version of New York City, effectively. And like Joe, this is where, where the the jarring nature of the art probably, you know, is the probably I would say this is the most distinct shift from the art at this point in the film. Because beyond that, it's, I don't think it's too crazy. But it's this one, this entire sequence has the most distinct change. Yeah, which it was the what was the when they in, when they're the in the Indian Spider-Man universe? Oh right, yeah, that had a whole. I mean, they had the whole vibe, right? What they called like Mumbatton. Yeah, yeah, it's Mumbai, but it's Manhattan. Manhattan. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, you def- definitely started to get a sense of the like cultural flavors that they were willing to throw into the mix and how they wanted to play with it. The light was nice. They had this kind of um watercolor is not what it is but it looked almost watercolor which was cool mm-hmm. yeah. i know what you mean that was a fun that's such a fun moment dude i think he and who comes in in this world but uh oh shit what's it hobie yeah the spider punk yeah he comes in later but i think they're my favorite characters it was just like i don't know they had fun with it at the same time you know what i mean um. Yeah, and like we said it, earlier, it was, even, it, it was even funnier when Hobie first joins, and then Miles' reaction is like, "Can anyone understand him?" Because he's yeah. talking in like a yeah. London slang, and then mm-hmm. it, like after he says, "Can anyone understand him?" It switches so you can actually understand him. <laughs> oh, does it really? Kind yeah, of. Yeah. Like really the cool. first few, the first few sentences he says are really slang, like slanged out, so you can't really like. It sounds like mumbling for us Yankees. Um, but <laughs> after that, it kind of, it tones itself down a bit so you can actually uh, interpret him. I didn't pick up on that. That's clever. Yeah. I watched the movie twice. So this is, <laughs> <laughs> that's like, that's fun. There was this time when I was in, um, I was still in Rancor. We were in the Gaslamp district in San Diego and I, I was with Dante and Joe Gonzalez and we were drinking and we went to something crow and, uh, we we have a few drinks and there's three women sitting next to us and one of them starts dancing in her chair. So I started dancing along and then we laughed and then a conversation happened and three of us all started talking to each other. But when they first started talking to me, they're speaking and I was like, what? What are you saying? What? I could, I could not for the life of me understand a word that they were saying. And then in my brain, it went like, I swear it went, they're Irish. And then I could understand every word that they were saying. It was like my brain mm-hmm. couldn't figure out what was happening there. So it was employing like the wrong model to interpret the language that's coming out. And then once it realized the correct model to use, it shifted them and then I could understand what was happening. <laughs> that's really funny. Like if instantly I went, did I rush? Bang. And I had it. Like it was wild. So that's cool that they did. I mean, it, it, unless they've had an experience like that themselves. They're, that's cool that an experience like that emerges in the art. 
organic. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. And, and Spider-Punk is a very unique take on the Spider-Man archetype because the entire character is like, he's an anarchist and he's a legit guitarist and all these kinds of things that are like, like at, like at first you're like, this seems weird. But then like when you start thinking about it, it makes sense as a character, like in the world, it's like a fascist, you know, state. In fact, <laughs> effectively, they don't get into it at all in, in this uh, movie, but in the comic books, they've explored it a little bit. So it's, mm. Like fleshed out some parts of this, but I will say Jordan to kind of iterate on what you were saying, his art style though, they actually pulled from punk rock. Um, They did a collage style and they actually came up with a special way to animate the character so that every frame they see him, it's like different collages. And they, in Mm -hmm. this is me jumping forward, but when they're in the spider society, he's changing colors every other frame where it's like some colors are like orange and then it goes like black and white and then like blue or whatever. So and it's like he's animated a different frame rate yeah. on top of all that. Hmm. So, so they cool. like really played with this character to just be like, yeah, he's spider punk and he's collage. Like I'm sure Nate would love this character. Oh, for <laughs> sure. Yeah. Collage a feature of punk aesthetic already. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like collage okay, art. So like, yeah. It's so that's dope. cool because yeah. that's what they're doing is they're breaking forms. Yeah. Like, like like throwing a beer bottle and watching it shatter. It's the same thing with the artwork. Yeah. Because yep. they're punk, trying to break it all. Yep. <laughs> so, of course, it didn't organically emerges as collage, and then that carries and, over. And that's so. why, in and yeah. also, too, in Spider Society, he's stealing a bunch of little bits and pieces of tech, and Miles is like, what are you doing? And he's like, don't worry. He's like, you might come in handy. Don't worry about it. Like, they're not going to miss it. Yeah. He's just smooth and just up to no good all the time. <laughs> Something interesting, too, in, uh, in Nate's, a lot of his cover art, and then when we had our group, he used collage mm-hmm. art. Because it had like that punk aesthetic, so yep. it was like, yeah. yeah. Um, but dude, that character was dope. I forgot I saw something. It took him like X amount, like a obscene amount of time to like create that character alone, until like really mm-hmm. nail him. And the part that was dope is I think it's how different parts of his body moved at different rates. So he was just mm-hmm. like all just obstruction of everything, just like so just all over the place. And I, yeah. I bet it, like the the artist who had to work on that guy it probably hates his life because he's just like this. <laughs> Fucking blows. Yeah, <laughs> and it's probably janky up until the ninth hour. Sure. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I mean, they really took the fracturing thing to it. So, I mean, I don't know how you go much further than that. I mean, then I you have you it's almost like the whole aesthetic of the film is already so chaotic and all over the place that in order to do introduce a character who's supposed to be chaotic in comparison to the norm of chaos, it is. <laughs> was difficult so they have to create somebody who's like you said body part is even at different frame rates here so it's like yeah. you have to they have to break be broken up even more so than the way that this multiverse is broken up mm-hmm. and they did a wild it's very creative ways of taking that as far as you can yeah anything else to say about the india scenes i mean the biggest thing is that he saves the the police officer and then and chaos ensues. Yeah. That's what they've done. They've spawned the, what was it, the orge? What's it called? Con, they, cannon? Cannon, cannon event. They, yeah. they broke yeah. the cannon. Is, is, and now, we don't know. I, I guess you, we, the, the other thing is, like you don't know what was broken in the beginning of this. Like You find out shortly after, like, and you, clearly Miguel is you know going to the principal's office. Or not Miguel, Jesus. Miles is going to the principal's office because he's breaking things that he's not supposed to be breaking or doesn't know that he's breaking them. 
Yeah. And this, this is just where I, I think it's important to say this is when they finally start establishing really the rules that this multiverse needs to play by. Right. Um, and it's like, yo, you have these things that are supposed to happen. You know, Miles isn't supposed to be here. And that's the first time you say like, oh, okay, Miles showing up here. Fuck this up. And then, you know, moving forward, we figure out why. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, that that's when I was like, okay, this is, is different than the first one, right? But also different than other multiverse stuff. Because to me, I felt like there was real consequence where yeah. not a complaint on this movie, but if we think of like No Way Home, still phenomenal but when dr strange was freaking out about the multiverse stuff it just seemed kind of like all right it'll probably be fine (laughs) you know what i mean like the stakes didn't seem as like dire i guess i think that too the foundation is important here like the because once miles goes to the spider society and miguel is explaining what happened one of the first things they say is by the way that spider that bit you wasn't from your world so like they they established it like Miles's origin is rooted in multiverses existing, right? Like it's not just some random, you know, super abstract idea that they just kind of make work. Like we figured out a way with magical technology to open portals. Like they kind of make it an accident initially. And then they add this portal stuff in afterwards because they know it exists. So that like in the, in the context of the world that they're writing, because it was an accident for the first time, that means you can purposely do it later once you understand it. So it's it's not like it's just this, I don't know, abstract idea that loses itself on its own because <laughs> it just spins off into crazy town if you let it do its own thing, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I really like that because it explains, it explains a lot to me. Like I, I looked at it as, okay, so that makes sense why that, his Peter Parker, his Spider-Man in his world, because there already was one. So it was saying like yep. they didn't need another. So then by you showing up is the reason that he had to die. Right. And the for this is not in the first one, right? Um yeah. Just by him showing up, because then there is a world that didn't have a Spider-Man. You know what I mean? I think sorry, I like <laughs> I think I think it's wrong. I think is I think the premise of that is wrong because it, the Miguel doesn't know that that Peter was already going to die prior, like because of the exploding of the reactor in the first film, and that spider doesn't show up until after, like the the whole chaos of the aftermath of the exploding of that reactor, and so that spider wasn't technically in Miles's universe until after the fact, so it wasn't technically Miles's fault that peter died or like it 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 should have broken canon before like beforehand like if spider-man died and it wasn't supposed to happen that that world should just cease to exist so i think miguel's premise about canon events is off yes you're yeah for sure (laughs) for sure (laughs) i think they they mentioned that at the end of this one that he has it wrong with gwen's situation and, and we'll get toward toward the end there's another reason why he's yeah. wrong too yeah with with but, the other world <laughs> but didn't miles get bit before peter not in the very beginning he that was it when he was doing the artwork with uncle aaron he's doing like that graffiti and then he yeah. bites his hand and he's like and then he just slaps it off his wrist right so it's way far away from the the reactor event from the intro of the film mm. 
Because the intro of that film opens up with him fighting the Green Goblin in the reactor area. I I gotta rewatch that. Yeah. I did I did watch it before seeing this one, but now I can't remember. Could have sworn it happened before, but maybe not. I don't remember. But either way, I think you're right that Miguel is his whole framework is wrong. Yeah, he's he's wrong. Mm -hmm. I have other hypotheses, but we'll get there before. I don't want to spoil anything. I wanna I wanna get a little bit further along. (laughs) (laughs) Um where else? Um I still think it was really cool that they did the the like the film itself is actually broken up into chapters. You can see it because they use the comic book covers to signify the stage of the story they're in. Um, they start out with the Gwen cover, then the Miles cover, and then I believe it goes to the Spider-Man Indie cover. And then in, in Act Four, it's Miguel's cover. And they do a short little intro. You know, I'm Spider-Man 2099, and he kind of has he's darker than any of the other characters that we see and you can see it first in their eyes jordan i know i explained some of this stuff to them uh or to you about this and there's another character which we'll talk about who has the same look in his eyes um later on and i'm sure of me just saying this people might have already seen the photos that have been floating around the internet but he's just different than any other spider-man we've seen up until this point because most spider-man are kind of naively optimistic we'll put it that way (laughs) and um he's way more intense across the board and doesn't make any jokes i guess that's the difference that's another difference right like spider-man is just quippy constantly Mm. and he doesn't do it um but i still think he they do a good job of setting the tone for this character and making him into you like bad guy number two even without even though you know he's like he's kind of supposed to be the good guy or the one who's manning the ship, I guess. And this is where I think the story turns a little bit like um, Captain America Civil War, where it's like uh, where it's like Captain America versus Iron Man, because the whole premise of canon events is kind of like the thought experiment of. If you knew someone was going to commit a crime, could you stop them before they did it? Or would you have to wait until they actually committed the crime to actually arrest them or stop them? And in some sense, that's what I see this multiverse explaining of like the origins of these the spider peoples, um, where all of these guys have very similar backgrounds. And when you start messing around their origin events or key moments in their their lives that are supposed to happen, I'm going to put that in quotes, um, then all of a sudden the entire framework of what these characters are or the entire worlds of which these people live fall apart. And so that's where like the fundamental, I think disagreement is where the, this movie is kind of laying out of like, even if you knew what would happen, would you still try to save the people you cared about most? Because in Miles' situation, it still seems that he's going to lose his dad. And so, he, or at least Spot is now the one who's going to target his dad because Miles didn't take him seriously, and so he's going to take away the thing that he loves most, or the people he loves most. So he has nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, real quick, I want to comment on Miguel, and then we'll yep. go back to that. But um, they tell you in the movie several times that this is not a good dude. <laughs> like they straight yeah. up just say it like in the that opening, the cold open 
when Vulture goes out and he's trying to stop him. Like the police fly up to him and he's like, I'm the good guy, I swear. And they're like, you don't look like a good guy. Mm-hmm. And then in the scene with Miles and Gwen, they're swinging and she says something. They're Vampire talking about Miguel, right? Yeah, yep. yeah. And and um, Miles says like, that doesn't sound like a good guy or something like that. Um, and even more after the fact, they just keep repeatedly saying there's something off with this person. So um, it'll be interesting exactly what it is, but we'll get into the theories later. Yes. Um, but yeah, it's just this guy is obsessed with control, I guess. And I guess that's where Iron Man's kind of philosophy would be in Civil War, mm-hmm. right? I think he was the one who was more like order, where Captain America was more like the anarchist in that sense. I think, if I remember that right. Yeah, um, well, Captain America was more of like, the, you, you still have to let people choose, regardless of whether or not you know the outcome. Like, even if you had prescience and said, like, I know, you know, Joe is going to commit some sort of crime. You still have to give that person the agency to make that mistake of their own free will before you can make any sort of action against that person. Otherwise, you're impinging upon the freedoms of that individual. Whereas Iron Man, in the, the scenario I laid out, he is more about the authoritarian of like, kind of like the big brother aspect of like no you have to you know clamp down at anything it's kind of the you see this sometimes within like the ai stuff with the um divergence uh, like idea where like when you find people who are divergent individuals it's like you put those people in the box because they'll just feed into civil unrest and you make sure they don't do what they're going to do to society right right so but the parallel would be miguel was kind of siding on the iron man side i guess yeah um, he's iron, he's iron man in the situation because he's the 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 means justify the end right or the ends right. justify the means sorry and it's funny because and it doesn't seem like a plot hole it seems like this guy's just obsessed and can't see past his nose but him saying miles is an anomaly and he you know the original one but it's like but his universe is still intact so if you're mm-hmm. the rules you're playing by are saying that things would collapse doesn't that mean that this was supposed to happen? You know what I mean? Right. Like right there, but he can't see it. Right. Cause he's so obsessed. Yeah. He, he already has his like predetermined thing that miles is the problem. Like he's the reason all this failed or whatever. But at the same time, I think it's like, he's so jaded from like seeing his own world collapses or, or the world he stepped into collapse that he, he, he's like, he's just traumatized, I guess is the best way to to describe it. And it's, you know, it's almost like you can't, and maybe I'm sure they'll flesh this out with the third part, but like you're probably going to learn more about why he is the way that he is. Instead of just this like single-minded thing of like, we need to just lock Miles up or get him home so he doesn't unravel things further. No. I thought he was one of the, I hate to say it, but I think he was one of the least interesting characters for me. Like after talking about the spot and then I think of the other people, this guy feels a little generic. Yes. Now now that change in the next movie and that they're just introducing him in a generic way. Um, But the real focus here is on the ascension of spot as the, this ultimate bad guy for the next film. Um, but I don't know. I thought I have very little to say. I think about him. I'm just there's nothing that is particularly interesting. I think. Yeah, 
I mean, I'm going to be honest. I think most of the sequence was mostly to show off a lot of the other different variants of Spider-Man. Um, and not to say that that takes anything away, but I think it was just, hey, artists, have fun. <laughs> yeah, it took them four um, years for this scene. <laughs> so did it, did it really? Four years for this scene. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. That's the whole chase. <laughs> I mean, it was it was fun, dude. It was just like, like wow. It's a long sequence, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. I was just like, how cool is, I don't know. I was just like, Yo, you have Spider-Man being chased by like hundreds of other Spider-Men. I was just like, that's yes. tight. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah. sure it was just fun. Yeah. It's cool. It's cool. And- I wonder if they just had that one artist per like Spider-Man. Like you I could bet. just, I mean, maybe you don't need, or at least 10 per artist. I don't know how yeah. they would do it. They don't, nobody has to be in communication with each other at all. The fact that they're totally disjointed. You're right. Like, yeah. That's totally fine. So you could sleep freedom to create as many ridiculous versions of Spider-Man as you like. Yep. That's hilarious. Even though, I wonder, I wonder if, if Ed didn't make the cut. Like, like ah, that's a bit much. <laughs> yo, that would suck. Because I'd be like, yo, oh. you have a spider pig. You're not going to pick mine? <laughs> <I'm> like, <"Sure." laughs> I mean, they had spider cat. Like, legitimately. Yeah. <laughs> Freaking T-Rex and, I mean, spider. The spider rex too on top of all of that. Like yeah. I feel yeah. like once you go to fucking dinosaurs, you can't really get any more wild. Right. Um, That'd be funny though. I think this... and the other one too, like the cameo they did some cameos I thought in the sequence that was cool, like seeing Donald Glover, um, mm-hmm. even with the live action things of showing the canon events with the original Sony trilogy and the amazing Spider Man films to kind of just, you know, establish it within the context of the world. Um what was the last one? Oh, they also had the Metro Boomin, who produced the soundtrack for this, had his a cameo of his character, no, or sure. a spiderized version. He's the one who said he's got nowhere to go, and then he jumps out the window. That's uh, Metro uh, Boomin Spider Man. I didn't realize that. <laughs> so, that's... Yeah, so they 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 did a lot of homages to people in this one. Just you know, just had fun with art. Effectively, it's very comic booky, if if that makes sense. Yeah. Um. And then you also see kind of fracturing, I think, because everyone's trying to convince Miles, right? Like, this is kind of going back to the coming age story and, like, leaving your mark on the world or doing what you think is right. And this is kind of getting back to where, like, what, how does Miles get out of this situation or, like, how does the plot move forward, right? It's because it's really at this point, it's either Miles gets captured or he escapes. Those are really the only two options. And you have probably talk about peter b parker a little bit if you guys were interested or have anything to say because now he's a dad who is the mentor in the first film yeah they kind of humiliated him a little bit that's i've heard mm-hmm. some of that and i agree after watching it a second time uh, I, terrible but it's definitely there a little bit you know he's just yeah he's kind of the butt of the joke i feel like that was his role in the first one too but I don't know. I, I got what you're putting down that I was like, when I was watching, I was like, I wanted him to be a little more, I don't know, badass is a word, but I yeah. don't know. Something rubbed like, me a little off. And I was like, like I, the I, cool I, dad. He wasn't yeah. the, the cool dad to me. He was just like, I don't know. He's kind of washed up. Yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's washed, washed up. up in a way that you would have hoped the first, like the first movie, he's washed up because he's depressed or whatever it is. Mm hmm. And then he has this whole character and ostensibly he goes and puts life together, except 
he's still washed up. And isn't this supposed to be like our version of Peter Parker, like the Peter Parker, as far as we kind of know him? So there's it a circumstance be. yeah, where no, that, that one died, I think. That's or or would it be the ones that Miles? Yeah. Meaning not the one that dies because of Miles, but that there's a, that like he's just kind of the representation of the classic Peter Parker. Gotcha. You know? Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. In the movie. So they take the classic Peter Parker, the one from the original comic books and all this, as far as we know him, as far as we're concerned. And they wash him up, they humiliate him, and they replace him. It's like, I don't need more of this. This feels too close again to this bean switch bullshit that's going around where there's this intent to like, why are we humiliating Loki before we get rid of him? Why do we have to do it to Luke Skywalker? Why do we have to do it to the whole Lord of the Rings? Why do it, every one of these, we just keep playing this game. At a certain point, I'm tired. Can you just, res- I'm, can you show some respect to the, to the, original to the thing that gave you the opportunity to make this cool version right why did we have to denigrate the past all the time we just can we be cool with this please that isn't that's interesting um that's interesting because i felt something i don't know if it was that but i felt i feel like it seems like everyone felt something off with peter b um which i think that was intentional like there's peter a right like the a version yeah, i didn't even think version. about that <laughs> um so I, I that that's what i thought it was an intentional it wasn't our peter because i took it as that our version died and miles is replacing him ah, um, i see what you're saying that's that's how i took it in the first one and this one wasn't him but it's the closest to him but it's like like that version that died i saw online somewhere people were saying that was like the perfect spider-man and that was uh, who we would like look at as all the the original the og you know what i mean mm-hmm. um but it so but i get what you're saying too because if that's who we relate mostly closely to that it just seemed like his character wasn't really needed he didn't really if he wasn't there he didn't i don't think much. anything would change in the story yeah. you know what i mean so it's like he was kind of when you mentioned earlier how like none of the side characters like felt like just plot device he he kind of felt like plot device, but there was not even a device. You know what I mean? Like, like, like he wasn't really even like he was there to have that like that heart to heart moment in like yeah. the middle of the chase scene, but it didn't do anything other than slow things down for a little bit, right? But outside of that, it yeah, like you could have deleted that part and you would not have really missed a beat. Yeah, so I'm ex- I'm curious what they'll do in the next one with him. I don't think you can get away with doing that twice, right? Yes. I think if it's like, okay, this is the setup for the third, there'll be payoff on everything, then I'll be cool with it. But as it stands, I, I feel you. There, every I feel like everyone's in the same boat where it's like something isn't quite right with his. They got they got to rewrite that a little bit better. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. especially I don't know. For me, it's like if if you if if you're staying true to how Mary Jane is written, she's a badass. And so the idea that she's not like gonna be cool with you taking a infant to, to superhero things is insane to me. Yeah, <laughs> like I would let she wouldn't, not even close. Oh yeah, 
<laughs> There's no freaking way. Yeah. <laughs> and it's also, too, it's like, how can you make Spider-Man that careless when he's literally predicated on the idea of responsibility and protecting those he cares most? You're telling me he's okay with bringing his child into life or death situations? Get the fuck yeah. out of here. <laughs> yeah. And and that's honestly the biggest gripe I have with this whole multiverse Spider-Man plot. Because all of these characters are fundamentally built on the same core identity. All of them believing in Miguel and saying that Miles is the problem is wrong fundamentally because Spider-Man does not play well with others. He is fundamentally anti-team from his inception. And on top of that, Spider-Man is also a loner. So for everyone to agree with Miguel, either is everyone's afraid of Miguel or they're just cool with going along with it because he's given them enough to go along. But Spider-Man is someone who bucks every trend. So the fact there's only like five Spider-Men that are cool with like, you would think the flip would script like, or sorry, what the hell did I just say? The script, the script would flip in this situation that more Spider-Men would agree with Miles than they would agree with Miguel fundamentally from an understanding of the character. But it's, I get it like as a plot device, it's super minor. It's only someone who's really, really, really gets Spider-Man is going to really like be annoyed like this is like comic book talk <laughs> like this is yeah. nerdy kids who do talk at the comic book shop about things that annoy them and this is why the spider-verse stuff gets fucking annoying because it waters down what makes the character compelling because it because it turns all spider people into autonomy that can't make real decisions because they have to listen to a leader when spider-man doesn't listen to anyone but his own intuition i i think your gripe is to to go deeper on that, because I think you're hitting something, but I think the gripe is more on narrative and how story works than it is with the Spider-Verse. Because if you go and you say like, okay, Spider-Man historically works like this, right? And so how this would work is that most would side with Miles. Then mm -hmm. we'd have no story. Right? Know. You know, like, <laughs> if, that'd be like, okay, yeah. there's nothing really interesting here. Um, so I think for the sake of the stakes and the story, you kind of had to be like, okay, we're going to have these individual spider people who do exemplify that, what you're getting at, who are that true Spider-Man. And, and so the irony is I'm saying Miles isn't, but he's the forefront of yes. doing what you're saying. I think yes. is they're getting at what you mean, but yes. I get what you're saying where it's like, that doesn't make sense. But then it'd be like, well, yes. hey, don't do that. Uh, and like, <laughs> like it, it would just end. And I think what's cool here is is it's not per se Miles. It's because like Miles is already on the outside. Miles is the loner. Miles is the one that quote unquote doesn't fit in. He's the outcast, right? Spider-Man is fundamentally an outcast character. And so the the entire up until this point where Miles is like, oh, I need to go do my own thing and just figure this out and and you know save my family, um, and stop the spot. And it, at first, it's like Gwen falls into the spider society and thinks this is her higher purpose then she can, can reconnects with miles and realizes wait something's right. off and then she's like trying to stop miles not only in 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 uh, Mumbatton, but also in um she grabs him in spider society as well and he's like sorry gwen can't do it like you've 
you know, you've, you've broken some trust here, regardless of, you know, whatever bond we have. And like, it's, she's slowly realizing like the error of this thing, like that sometimes you join a group or you, you think you're like aiming for something that's bigger than yourself, but it's filling a void in you, not because it's actually the right thing to do, but because it feels like it's meaningful to you. Like it's, it's a false hope or false promise. And it's like, it's like when you really ask yourself, like, this isn't actually not what you would want to do. Cause you know, deep down, it's not the right thing to do. So it's like, and, yeah. and then like, this is the other part of the problem is because we know this is a part two, it's makes it difficult to get real sense of closure because this is a lot of setup <laughs> right. to, right. to, to like set the stage for all these things that are going to get closure in part three. So it's like hard to say like what exactly all this means mm-hmm. in the bigger scope of things. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, it's interesting hearing it from the perspective of someone who is like a lifelong deep fan. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it, which is it really wasn't cool. even intentional that my shaker cup was Spider-Man before we yeah, started nice. recording. <laughs> the shirt I've been looking at that. It's I thought that was a spider shirt too. Yeah. Oh, it yeah. is. <laughs> That's this was intentional. I did that right. on purpose. <laughs> I should have worn my full leotard. I have this. <laughs> the cosplay suit with the eyes that move and everything. I feel like that's if you're gonna cosplay and you do Spider Man, that's like you can't, you can't. There are too many Spider Mans already. That's like I the know. deep. I don't know what I want to cosplay, so I'm gonna put this on. The yeah, only yeah. way I could ever cosplay Spider-Man is like, I got to have a six pack. <laughs> There's no way yeah. I'm going to put on a skin tight suit <laughs> with a little bit of fluff. On the really, you can be Peter B. You're good. You're good. <laughs> I'll just wear slippers and. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm the ideal Spider-Man in that there's so little crime that I have a belly. <laughs> I've done such a good job. You've solved yeah. You've solved crime forever. Yeah. It's not a problem. I can chill now. <laughs> that's so funny oh it's great um man we've lingered on the spider society part so long because i had so much to say to see this is why i needed you guys to be here because i would have just rambled into endless (laughs) but did you you talking so much and then started talking so fast that you just opened up a hole inside yourself fell into yourself and became hot there you go (laughs) (laughs) gone forever um, oh my god! <laughs> the did you guys expect like the twist with with Miles going home? No, no. I it took yeah. me a second to uh, yeah. like be like oh 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 like it was I yeah, feel like right? I literally said that it was like three moments the, of oh shit. <laughs> the the first time it like hit me was like when his mom started acting weird and I was like wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah. yeah, and then and then when Uncle Aaron opens the door, and I'm like, <gasps> see, I didn't catch it until he walked in. I thought she, I thought they were trying to be funny, like she just had no idea who Spider Man was. I thought they were gonna be like, yeah, you're uh-huh. not that important. That's what I thought they were doing. I'm like, oh, this is a weird take <laughs> on him revealing mm-hmm. who he is. Like, oh, are they trying to say it doesn't matter? Interesting. And then when right. Uncle Aaron then, like, walked in, his I was mom like, says like, you took out your dreads. Yeah. Oh yeah. Too. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's it's. That's what happened for me. It's like, I'm with you, Jordan, the whole time where it's like, okay, well, maybe his mom's just not clued in. 
like she's not paying attention. That's kind of funny. Mm. Um, but then it was right the moment that like you took out your dreads and he's like, what? I'm like, nope, something it's off. Something's off. And Red flag. Like, oh. And then, right. Yeah. But it was like, oh shit. Okay. But I, I love that. I loved how they fucking so shot that dude. How like, yeah, they make it look like they're watching him. They all know where he is. And then Gwen is in his room and he's not in there. I was just like, yo, that's some good storytelling right there. And it's cool because like you're getting like this like mirror of things, right? Like because Gwen gets kicked out. This is oh, but but she we we kind of skipped the small scene in in, yeah. in between here, which is I guess it's kind of like intermixed with all of this where Miles gets sent back to Earth 42, which is where the spider's from. Gwen gets sent back to her world because Miguel's like, I'm tired of you and, you know, bringing Miles into this kind of thing. And this is like where Gwen kind of has that, like the confrontation that needed to happen from the very beginning with her father. And it's like the first time that they're in sync. And like, I just love the way they chose to do this with the watercolors. Um, It's just so cool. I just love the heart in it. Um, And you see... Like when they come together and his her dad is like, I've stopped, you know, I'm done being a cop, right? Like I'm just gonna be dad now. And they when they hug, the colors turn all white and they start to finally blend for the first time in like well, it's really the second time, but this is the first time where it's like equilibrium, where they find the balance within their like relationship, where they're actually seeing each other for who they are. Mm-hmm. Um or for each other and what they, they're actually like you said jordan from the very beginning they're aiming at the same thing yeah and now they're in line and the the plot part of this that is really cool is because she saw what can happen um like when uh miguel's trying to say oh the cop whoever needs to die or else it breaks the cannon but she saw for herself she's like oh wait that means i think she even says she's like that means and like kind of her voice trails off yeah, it could be her own dad. It could die too at some point. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think she's saying that since he's not a cop anymore, yes. she's safe he's, from that he, happening. He, right? ch- he changed the 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 canon in that right. sense, which means that he can be saved. And so she's like, "Oh, Miles is right." Um, and I was like, "Oh, dope." They just showed, but the way they set that up was perfect because they that was set up at the beginning. You know what I mean? They didn't have to like backtrack and have this whole expositional moment between them. It was like very. It wasn't too much talking. It's just feeling mm-hmm. and colors and just pure emotion that they set up at the beginning. And I was like, they can get the plot, they get the emotion, you get what's happening. And they don't have to linger. I just said, I'm like, dude, yeah. they're great. It they told the story. It, it so spent well. as much like, time as it needed, which you're totally yeah. right about. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really dope. Yep. And then was, and then it also pays off with Hobie because he leaves behind the makeshift watch that he stole all those components to make. And he's like, and it on the note it says, just in case it doesn't work out, it's like he, it's like he knew, or he had a suspicion, because, you know, something about not liking authority figures as a punk rocker. <laughs> so dope. His character was so tight. I hope they do like a spinoff of his. I really do. That'd be sick. But then it goes back to her confronting Miles's parents. After getting getting rid of Scarlet Spider, who is voiced by none other than the infamous Nicolas Cage. <laughs> right. That was funny. His that's 
It's so ridiculous. Little monologue. And apparently, I don't know if you guys caught this. I think, Jordan, you actually sent this to me. There's multiple versions of the film. I don't know exactly what is changing between each of the versions of the film, but there's, like, slight dialogue changes. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, like, a few dialogue things. Nothing major. I don't know the purpose of that. It might have just been, like, edits or something. Yeah, like... So you're telling me that there are multiple different versions you could come across? Yeah. Yeah. Like, if I go to one theater in California and then I go to another in Illinois, they're different movies. There's a, chan- there's a chance, yeah. yeah. But like the like every that's spi- intentional. Oh, that's a hundred percent intentional. Yeah, that's thematic. Yeah, that like the core. The core story is all the same. It's just like right one-off dialogue, slight lines. variation. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely yeah. That was an intentional artistic move mm-hmm. for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's interesting though. It would have been cool if they actually did it, though, where the plot was different. Like, the twist at the end, if it was, like, someone else, and then people are discussing it. And it's like, that's not what happened. You know what I mean? Right? Because then then nobody would believe each other, because, like, no, what do you mean? I saw this version of the film. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that'd be so funny. (laughs) That'd be cool. Um, But, yeah. And then, I guess the biggest shocking, like, revelation of this entire film is... Miles thinks the Prowler is Uncle Aaron this whole time in in the uh, alternate ver- ver- universe of his, or at least where the spider is from. And he's knocked out unconscious uh, and tied to a punching bag. And it's, I love, I just love the sound design that they chose to do for Uncle Aaron and the Prowler. That like, I don't even know how you describe it. It's like electro, yeah. like deep, bassy, but like, scary at the same like it's almost horror mm-hmm. um like screeching it's so cool it's so good and it's really captures the intention of or like the threat of the prowler and you 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 realize the prowler is not uncle aaron and you see the mask come off and it's miles and i i i knew where it was going as soon as like it he said it wasn't going to be that <laughs> or that he wasn't Prowler. Mm-hmm. But it, I I just thought it was such a cool payoff because I think this is where like multiverse really is cool because it's kind of playing that game of like, hey, sometimes the smallest things that happen to you or the smallest decisions you make shape the trajectory of your life, which I also should say too that he looks up and sees that same mural on the wall in Miles' reality, it's Uncle Aaron who's commemorated. But in the alternate reality, it's his dad. No. Yeah, I mean, that shit was dope. I was getting so mad because I'm like, I know it's ending right here. <laughs> you could feel it? Yeah, and I was like, uh, but I was just like, it's gonna, this next movie is going to be insane. Like, you can just tell. Um but I loved it. I, I had no issues with the twist. I was like, this, I don't know, what a way to close out a, a part two. <laughs> yes. I think it's such a cool concept because my thinking is, is this, so this is the speculation part. Because if, if Miles is, you know, like the, the, the spirit of Spider-Man is like we would hope him to be, even though he sees this broken version of himself or this alternate version of himself that's already lost his dad, who's basically a criminal, he's still going to realize that he, like, 
he could be that variant of himself, but that also means there could be still good in the criminal version of himself. Right. And on top of that, this also plays into my hypothesis about Miguel because he says he's different than all the other Spider-Man in that like short little intro sequence where he's like, I don't like the things that I do. And everyone says he's like a vampire and stuff. And he's like, you have claws. And I think I can't confirm this, but it, in most of the scenes where Miguel is there and in like combat situations, the musical motif sounds super similar to the Prowler. So I think in the future he's or in the 2099 version, he is injecting himself with some sort of Prowler serum. And so that's going to be one of the revelations in part three is that Miguel is like a spiritual successor. Even though he's a Spider-Man, he's actually a prowler. Yeah. Which is which which pulls it all together from the very beginning because the prowler is like the the capstone villain or this like the revelation from part one that brings it all the way through to tie this story into a neat bow. Yeah. Yeah, it's confronting the shadow at multiple levels. It's interesting. Yeah. I think you're probably right. I bet that's what'll happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've been thinking about this a lot. <laughs> Waking up in the middle of the night sweating. Oh, I've got the answer. <laughs> I know who the problem is. <laughs> little do you know is like behind me there's a cork board with a whole bunch of notes and <laughs> you're that one guy who retired 10 years ago but he can't let go of that particular case it's like, <laughs> like please where is he like thank god you're not married right now dude because your wife would be like shut up go to bed like go to bed <laughs> Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> Needless to say, I like Spider Man. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't tell. Couldn't tell. <laughs> Joe, your face. <laughs> One thing I did. We didn't yes. touch on this, and that's a shame because what I loved most about this movie was how they used music, the way they integrated the soundtrack, right, which is dope, and like implemented it with the score. Right to like set the tone in different moments, like when they had that one song, just fit the emotion so well. Um, which is hilarious. Wanzo, you texted me and said you loved this song, and the the artist who made it is Coilerae. Never in Dude, a million, right? Yeah, never. Did, that sentence is crazy. Never in a million years <laughs> that I thought you listened to Coilerae. Like her initial style of music is so opposite than the music you listen to. And I'm like, see, now we're we're just we're Dude, doing her voice cool is here. amazing. I love her voice. It's she's dope. She's awesome. But it's like <laughs> she has that stigma of being like this new age rap that's like, you know what I mean? You don't want to listen to it, right? But now you're exposed to it in a different lens. And now that's opening a gate a little bit to be like, oh, she's really talented. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. And so I thought that was so cool. I couldn't believe he texted me. I was like, oh, I'd never thought I'd see that. <laughs> but, um, You're going to do a double take. You're like, what the hell? Yeah, it's so cool. <laughs> you're in the multiverse right now, Jordan. You've got to a different universe because right. you're, you're normal one. That shit never would have happened. Yeah, I was like, this is not canon at all, dude. I had to call up Miguel real quick. It's, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> I mean, but, I I am the proud owner of Air Force or Air Jordans for the first time ever because of Spider-Man. <laughs> that's crazy. That's crazy. It's um, happening. This begins. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> changing, bro. He's going to start fucking braiding his hair. Well, we're <laughs> 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 
Yeah. What's the new one? What's the last movie comes out? I'm gonna have dreads like Miles. Yeah. Like, uh, big <laughs> I want to chill out, bro. <laughs> oh my god. Um. God. But uh, with the music specifically in the last, like when Miles goes back in that last like 30 minutes, and how they kind of build up with the score, and then they cut it when it like gets intense, right? When there's like a plot mm-hmm. moment where. Uh, Gwen reconciles with her dad they cut the music and then right when he gets back to like all right we got to save miles type shit and then the fucking like up tempo music scales up and then when you get to the very end when you they reveal uh who the prowler is miles is you know about to face himself and the music's just like so big right and i was like yo the way they built that is amazing oh yeah is so good so like i feel like, I have to I feel like that's music. one thing that people like slept on even with the first film is like people think of Sony as like this kind of electronics company and a few other things, but people don't realize that like Sony is like this giant behemoth that fires on so many cylinders and like they can take this like multimedia like juggernaut that is this animation film effectively. But at the same time, they have Sony like studios, which does all the music producing. And so they can basically get all these artists and just be like, all right, guys, we got this sick film and here are the scenes that we want you to make a score for and they can be working with the artists be working in the studio and just hammer these things out and just make things that just that that just lock together in this really cool way that it's like i I think it's easy to overlook because you don't realize because it's just there so you take it for granted yeah 100 percent. it's dope it's so cool for me. <laughs> I love like the uh, like how they like craft it, but also like it matches like the emotional tempo of what like what's going on on screen at the same time. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Sony was flexing on this for sure. Oh, they, <laughs> they knew like... what they had. Like nobody realized. Like I feel like the original film kind of slept at the box office. Nobody really cared. It was kind of like it's just another thing, and like people thought it was dope. But it wasn't until like it went on to like DVD or streaming that people were like, wait a minute, this is something different. (laughs) Like we haven't seen something like this before. Yeah. And then here we are five years later and everyone's like, holy crap. They really like they they like upped themselves and then a little bit more. And like even I think the one thing I do remember people saying early on when like the trailers were first coming out or like the announcements is that people were worried about because the original title was like part one in it Mm -hmm. and this is something that dune i think did smart too where they realized that in the box office when things say part one it scares people away from going to see a film um typically and so at some point along the line they removed the part one from the title of the of the of this film and then almost everyone in the theater when it said to be continued or to be concluded, everyone's like, like, like freaked out. <laughs> like, I don't know if you guys had that experience when you were in the theater, but like everyone went kind of bananas. Like, how could they leave it at yeah. that? Like, it's because it was crazy. Cause you know, Gwen, it started with Gwen leaving her band to her forming her band again, you know, her band right? to go save miles. Yeah. That, that didn't happen in mine. I, I did see it twice back to back. I saw it Saturday and Sunday, like a couple of weeks ago. Damn, dude. Um, yeah, because I saw it. I saw it solo, and then Alex was like, "I want to see it," and I was like, "I didn't think you'd want to see that." She's like, "I want to see it," so I'm like, "Okay, let's go." 
So, so you yeah. twist my arm. <laughs> um, right. Well, it's interesting because I saw it like two, maybe three weeks after release, right? Okay. Yeah. People were clapping. That's like the opening night thing. Yeah. You know that's I mean? for sure. Opening night thing. Like in the yeah. theater was full. It was a full theater and people were clapping. And I was like, that's how you know it's good. Like, you know what I mean? I'm like, I've never seen that in any other movie before. So I was like, that. Yeah, that's crazy. They did it. Wow. I'm trying to think of the last movie that I heard people do like an ovation for. Huh. That's crazy. Yeah. 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 I think there was some happiness after No Way Home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that one was, there was a lot of emotions in that one. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably, I think that might still be my favorite Marvel. Yeah. Say that or end game, but I'm with you. Yeah, and they they are able to do multiverse with stakes in that. Like they find a way and it's about when it's making it personal. See, that's another part of this trend that I've talked about. And all the chaos you return to the people you love. No. Like that, that's Ooh-hoo. how you do the stories. That's how you that's that's the door out of the chaos of the multiverse. And our present moment in the cult part of why I like that. <laughs> you mean the chaos of the you mean needs to be established on the relationship. Anchor yourself in the relationship that matter most to you? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You think we would remember that shit? When we, anymore, we fuck that as, as a common refrain that we've been saying off the air, people like to make things complicated. <laughs> yes, I do. Well, any other thoughts? I feel like we we've covered a lot of ground in a really vast amount of time. Uh, it's only been an hour and a half, but I feel we we did a good job here. Um, anything else? Yeah. No. I'm excited for the next one. Yeah, I know. The sad part is it as of yesterday, it officially got delayed by Sony. It's unfortunate. Another three years. I think it's like 2026. So, yeah. but that is also because it also came out that they crunched their artists, like over a hundred artists or something got hired on in like the last year to crunch out the film and then all got let go. And as soon as people found out about that, they were like, yeah, that's, you got to figure out how to do better than that. Yeah. I feel like so, that's how the industry works. When the movie's over, you're out of a job until the next movie. I don't, <laughs> but I don't know, whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's a mystery and a conundrum to how to manage crunch because I feel like in any creative project, no matter how well it's managed, there's always going to be crunch at some point. Right. But that is a discussion for another day. <laughs> in any, in other words, go watch Spider-Verse once it's available for people. Um, I don't know. Is it still in the theaters? I feel like it might be. But Probably, Yeah, yeah, for sure. But in any case, it was a dope one. Totally worth it. Refreshing, I think, across the board, especially in the in a world where the superhero genre feels to be stagnating. For some reason, Spider-Man seems to be one of the few that um, continues to get it right. <laughs> I'm not sure exactly what it is about Spider-Man that people are able to write well. Uh, it's an interesting yes. one in comparison to the rest of the superheroes that are popular right now. Yeah. All righty. Until next time, everybody. Bye. Boom. All right, everyone. Thank you all for making it through today's episode of the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. 
And I was really excited to talk about this, as you should probably be able to pick up throughout the conversation. I had thought about where the story is going. I had thought about the different characters and just in general, what Spider-Man as a character means. Um, and especially in a broader context, considering there's now, you know, two main characters, really, um, outside of Peter Parker. So if you're interested in this podcast, you can follow us on Spotify, Apple, you name it, all of the podcast platforms. You can follow us on YouTube and you can also subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash feeding curiosity. Or you can head over to our website and find even more. See you all in the next episode.